So if you, if you don't remember anything I say, but you find yourself singing these songs at home today, it's everything that I'm going to say. So win-win. Um, but I am Matt Sprinkle. I am the student pastor here at Alice Drive Baptist Church. And uh, we're so glad that you're here, whether you're here in person or joining us online, wherever you're watching from, we are glad that you're with us. Uh, but before we start, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for being able to be here today. Father, I pray for everyone in the room and that you will just help us to pause and reflect on what it is that you are saying. How does it impact us to see this hope at the end of this narrow path? God, and it's this hope that we get to share through Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, so this passage was just read. How did it sit with you, right? This is one of those passages where you wake up in the morning, you break out your Bible, you open it up, and you're like, time to do Devo time. And then you get in there and you see Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Like, you can't help but, this is one of those passages, like, you've got to pause on that and be like, okay, what are you saying here, Jesus? Like, when you think of this path of destruction that Jesus is talking about, who automatically comes to your mind? Right? You start thinking about other people that come to your mind, that, like that family member that makes all the poor choices that you avoid at get-togethers. They're on that path to destruction, or maybe it's that lazy coworker, right? Or that lazy classmate who can just never seem to get their stuff together. They're on the path to destruction. Or maybe it's the person who can never seem to keep their word. You can't trust them. They're on that path to destruction. See, if we're honest, whether we do it in the middle of a sermon or at the end of the sermon, there comes a point where we get to it and we're like, Amen. This person needs that. And then, hey, all right, spouses, right? Let's be honest. You're sitting next to your spouse, and the preacher says something really good, and you're like, did you hear that? It's like he knows you. <laughs> but let's be honest, though, right? Who is the one person that you forget about? It's the same person that I want to forget about too, right? Myself. But who, like in these sermons, what, what is it that, that, that we should be doing, right? Sure, maybe someone else needs to hear this message. But maybe we've got to sit and say, maybe in this message... There is something that God is really trying to help me see. And see, I know this because Jesus is speaking to a bunch of people. And all the way up to this point, he's like, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And everybody that's listening to him, they're like, yep, check, check. They're missing it. Like everything that Jesus has said up to this point, they're missing it. And what Jesus is really asking everyone that's listening is to consider this. Is there an easy way to have a healthy relationship with God? Is there an easy way to have a healthy relationship with God? See, most of us would like to say, oh, yeah, I'm definitely on this narrow path that Jesus is talking about here. It's everyone else that's on this path to destruction. But just like some of the folks that are in the crowd, maybe there are some of us in here who need to look at this challenge that Jesus is laying before us. 
See, Jesus is trying to help us see the difference of what it means to say that you're a Christian and what it means to actually be a Christian. This is like the difference between a car owner and a car enthusiast. A car owner, you have a car, right? You love this car until it starts having problems. I know I had a 1994 Nissan Pathfinder. I was a car owner. This is, this is the same car that I had a student at the end of service one night at my first church. He was backing out and he backed right up into it. He comes in, he's like, I'm so sorry, I backed into your car. I'm like, eh, whatever. Can it still, is it still drivable? Yep, it is. Okay, good, we're, we're fine. This is also the same car that I managed to hit a treat with and um, then took the bent fender off and put a different colored fender on it because in Virginia they have these things called inspections and you have to pass them in order to be able to drive on the road. I just wanted to pass inspection so that I could still get from point A to point B. And then all of a sudden this car started costing me some more money because after 200,000 miles it started having even more issues. What do you think I ended up doing with this car? Selling it. For sale, as is your problem now. Please just take it. What's the ultimate path for that car? The junkyard. But see, a car enthusiast, they don't mind the problems that the car puts them through because they love the car. Oh, there's a knock in the engine? Oh, let me take the engine out, tear it apart, and then put it back together so it's running good again. Some of us are like, that person has more willpower than I do because that does not sound fun. But that's the difference between a car owner and a car enthusiast, right? What is the path for the car enthusiast's car? It's going to maintain its beauty and it's even going to increase in value over time. See, and the car enthusiast will choose the path less traveled. Why? Because the car owner, what does the car owner really love? the car's ability to transport them from point A to point B. You know what they really love? What the car can do for them. But what does the car enthusiast love? The car enthusiast loves everything that makes that car what it is. And it's added benefit of going from one place to another. But don't drive it around too much. Can't put too many miles on it. They just love the pure joy of the car. Is that not what it's like in our relationship with Christ? See, the car enthusiast chooses the path less traveled. See, Christ followers, they should choose the path less traveled. But Jesus said something that should cause us to pause here. Do we not tend to do this on our own lives, though? We say that we're on this narrow path. We say that we are followers of Christ. But when all that we love about Jesus is what he can do for us, the only thing that we really love about Jesus is the idea of Jesus. And then when pressure is applied to your faith, what happens? See, if we're honest, we discover that our choices line up often with this path of destruction. So how often do your choices line up with the path of destruction? Well, think about your marriage, right? If you're in constant shouting matches with your spouse, ready to throw in the towel, what path does that lead to? How how about if one person in your life makes a big mistake, like one big mistake, 
And then you're quick to give up on them instead of walking alongside of them and extending grace. What about if you disassociate yourself from others just because they don't meet your standards? What path is that? See, I don't know where you have messed up, but it hinges on this path of destruction that Jesus is talking about here. However, Jesus doesn't mention this path, right? He mentions a second path, and it's the most important one. It's important that we talk about it today because these two paths completely impact every relationship that you have. See, we find Jesus in this passage. He is at a pivotal moment in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we have seen Jesus has set the standard for what it means to be a part of his kingdom. All the way up from chapter 5 to now, he has set the standard for what it means to be a part of his kingdom. He's speaking to these people. He's like, this is what it means. And here he is at the end, or in the middle of his wonderful sermon. And he's giving them an opportunity to really stop and see where they are. This is an opportunity for them to respond. So what does Jesus say there? Let's go to verse 13 again. He says, enter by the narrow gate. All right, we got to pause. Can't continue. This is the first thing that Jesus is telling us here is enter by the narrow gate. Enter what? What are we entering into? Well, what is Jesus talking about all the way up to this point? We are entering into the kingdom of God. And if you follow Jesus' teachings, he tells us very clearly that there is only one way to enter in the kingdom of God. It's not by voting the right way. It's not by having perfect church attendance for all of my millennials and Gen Zers in the room. It's not by having your Bible verse and your biography on your social media. It's not by not liking alcohol. It's not by making sure that you have the Christian radio station playing every time that you get in the car. It's not by boycotting corrupt corporations. And it's definitely not by sharing the pictures on Facebook that says, like if you love Jesus, scroll if you love Satan. (laughs) Some of us have been guilted in that one. Oh, like, 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 like. But listen here, none of these things that I just mentioned, none of them get you into the narrow gate. See, none of these things do anything about the righteousness that you need. See, the narrow gate that Jesus is talking about here is only entered by faith. This narrow gate is only entered by faith in Jesus, the one who came and lived a perfect life and died on behalf of all of those who would call him Lord. We see in Scripture that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And this is only through Jesus. Jesus lays out this first step here, and we can't continue unless we see what it is that Jesus is laying out. He's saying, look, this is the first step. Notice that everything on that list, voting the right way, making sure you got the Christian radio station on, even putting a picture up that says, like, if you love Jesus, like all of those things is about what we do. But see, this narrow gate is about what Jesus has already done. 
Even for the people that he's talking to, they are trying to set up standards for themselves so that they can be in close relationship with God. And Jesus, all the way up to this point, has said, it's not about what you do, it's about what I'm about to. And thank God that we here today who follow Christ can say it is because of what he has done. See, from the beginning of his sermon until now, Jesus has revealed this struggle for them. And it's not easy to have a relationship with God. See, your faith is free. The grace that you have in Jesus is completely free. It's not, there's nothing that you can do to obtain this grace and this salvation. It is a gift from God. But obedience and following Jesus costs you something. Following Jesus comes at a cost. So if this is such a costly thing, if it is such a costly thing to follow Jesus, why should we do it? It's a good thing Jesus doesn't stop there, right? He keeps going. So let's go back to verse 13. He says, For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. Why are there a lot of people on this road? Well, it's because we have this default nature inside of us, right? This default nature inside of us that likes to say, hey, we know what's best for our lives. It's the default nature inside of us that says, nobody can speak truth into my life. I define my own truth. And this default nature that Jesus is pinpointing in us is our sin nature. It is our pride. It is our desire to elevate ourselves over God. Listen, the people that Jesus is talking to here, they are fooling themselves a lot like what we do, right? Into thinking that they are good enough. I put students to the test um, every now and then, right? Um, I'll talk to students. I'll be like, hey, how many of you think that you're a pretty good person? Now, most everybody's going to be like, oh, I'm a good person, right? And so we're like, all right, so what do you think about the Ten Commandments? Those pretty good standards to live by, right? I don't know many people that are going to be like, no, those are horrible. I love being lied to. Like, nobody, nobody's going to do that. So I walk them through it, right? This is basically what Jesus does here for the people that are listening from 5 to now. From chapter 5 to now, he's like, look, love your neighbor. And the people in the crowd, they're probably like, hey, not a problem. I love my neighbor. And Jesus is speaking further into that. He's like, yeah, when it's convenient for you. You know, he says, hey, don't murder anyone. They're like, "Mm, I haven't killed anyone lately, so check that box off. I love doing this with students because they're like, oh, yeah, I've never, never murdered anyone. But see, even the people that are listening to Jesus right now, if you would have asked them, hey, what you think about the Romans? They would have been like, ooh. I don't like them. I hate them. Jesus says if you look at somebody with hate, it's like committing a murder in your heart because the same motive for murder is hate. Jesus says, hey, look, do not commit adultery. Love your spouse. People in the audience are probably like, oh, yeah, I love my spouse. I am faithful. I'm good. But he goes on and takes that one further too, right? He says, look, and this is the, the one with students that gets them every time too. They're like, what's adultery? Not cheating on your spouse. Oh, I don't have a spouse. I'm good. Ah, 
Jesus says if you ever look at anyone with lust, it's like committing adultery in your heart. Because the same motive for adultery is lust. Help students see it a little bit further. I'm like, all right, guys, if you're ever sitting in the lunchroom, you see that pretty girl walk by and you go. (laughs) And your friend has to smack. That's lust. Ladies, you're not off the hook either. See that handsome man walk by and you're like. "Mm." I had a girl say, I I never go. "Mm." I was like, "Mm, let me ask your friends. This is lust. So listen, does this sound like something present in your life? Thinking that you're good enough. See, what Jesus is trying to help everyone see here is ultimately two things. The first one is this. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. Secondly, sin, your sin, is destructive to your relationship with others. Why do most relationships sin? Pride, selfishness, sin. See, in light of our series, this path will make or break your relationships with both God and those that surround you. See, this path is trampled down and traveled by many because it does seem normal. In fact, the culture and people around you try to help you to redefine what normal is. They try and help you to see what a standard is beyond outside of God's standard. For instance, Sometimes in the young adults and in students' cultures, people around them will say, hey, look, the best way to find your future spouse or your future mate, cross boundaries, see if they meet your standard. Where does that lead? Destruction. Parents, the difficult thing that surrounds us is when our kids are out of hand and we're just at our wit's end. Culture, people around us say, I just... Put an iPad in front of them. Don't step in and do the hard thing. Where does that lead? Destruction. Culture around us says, hey, look, it's okay to give in to peer pressure here and there as long as you don't cross your convictions. Where does this ultimately lead? This is the reality that Jesus is trying to help us see is that we cannot let people or ourselves attempt to define what is normal for us. Christ has set the perfect example and he warns us. The danger of being out of God's kingdom and being away from Christ is this. Sin's destination is destruction. Sin's ultimate destination, this wide path is destruction. This sounds Pretty bleak looking at this. Many people are on this path. This is the bad news, right? But Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He actually continues and shows us an alternative. So what does he say in verse 14? Look at verse 14 with me. He says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This life with Christ, right? Salvation is free. Grace is free in Christ Following him costs us something. Following Jesus, being obedient, costs us something. Jesus says this, I want you to publicly identify with me. What does that look like? This means that you love your enemy, that you love your neighbor, that you love your spouse fully, that you judge correctly. And if we're honest, we do not desire to choose this path more often than not because it looks complicated. 
sometimes even scary. It reminds me of a time where I went hunting with my dad growing up. I went dog hunting. Um, don't email me later. I did not hunt dogs. Did not hunt dogs. Uh, you let the dogs out. They run deer around to you eventually, maybe, sometimes. Um, and then you spend a lot of time trying to find them later. But anyways, we're out dog hunting, and our dogs are kind of off. We had a bunch of hunting dogs that we let out that morning. And while we're off hunting, we get a radio call. It's like, hey, your dogs are going over here. So my dad's like, get in the truck. We're going to go. So we get in the truck. We go. We pull into this area of the woods. I get out. I'm looking around like, what now? My dad says, all right, we're going to take that trail right there, and we're going to go cut the dogs off. I'm like, where? What? Where? That trail right there. You point me that way. And so we start heading down this trail and it's got bushes and briars and everything that you don't want on a trail. And, and I get to this place where my dad says, finally, all right, you stop right there. You stand there. You don't move. The deer will come soon. I'm going to go walk over here and we're going to see if we can get us a deer. I'm like, I'm standing in a puddle. I'm pretty sure they're going to hear me. He's like, no, just stand right there. I'm like, okay. And sure enough, minutes later, two deer come out, and me and my dad both get deer that day. It's a story that I get to remember and live with. I got to experience what my dad wanted for me. My dad wanted me to enjoy the thrill of the hunt, getting meat in the freezer. But above all, I got to have joy as I spent time with my dad. Getting to that place was a little sketch, and I was very skeptical. But don't we do this in our own relationship with God, on this narrow path that looks complicated, looks overgrown, looks kind of scary and freaked out, but on the other side of it, our Father has something so much more in store for us that we're not seeing clearly in the moment. What if we applied something like this, choosing the narrow path that looks complicated, Looks hard, difficult to go down in our relationship with other people. What if you got that annoying coworker and instead of holding back, you actually step into the conversation with them? We call them 10% conversations at Alice Drive. They're absolutely brilliant because everybody's willing to say 90% of what's on their mind. It's that 10% that no one's willing to share. But what if you did the hard thing, stepped into that 10% with that other person, had the conversation? You never know. Maybe in that moment, God's revealing to you, hey, this is what's really going on in their life. And it provides you an opportunity to pray with that person or to maybe speak truth and love to that person. That's choosing the path less traveled. So let me ask you this. What has it cost you to follow Jesus? I think Jesus has shown us very clearly that we can't follow him and not cost us anything. It's going to cost us something to follow Jesus. In fact, if you're stepping back and looking at your life and like, I don't know, this ever really cost me anything to follow Jesus. Well, good. Pause and reflect on this because Jesus is trying to help us see clearly that it's going to cost us something to have a relationship with God. And in this passage, Jesus has asked us to do the impossible and to enter into his kingdom. Why? Because the wide path leads to death and the narrow 
path leads to the kingdom of God and it leads to life. But how do you get there? How do you get on this narrow path, right? How do you get on this narrow path? I have an answer. It's pretty simple. It's two words. It's going to be super mind-blowing. You ready? Here it is. How do you get on this narrow path? Be perfect. Yeah. Now y'all are laughing because you're like, this dude's not serious. No, I am serious. Look at what Jesus says. Flip your Bibles if you got them. Back over to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 20. Look at that with me for a second, right? He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you are not as obedient to the scribes and Pharisees, which the scribes and Pharisees made rules about rules, about more rules, so they didn't break God's rules for them. If you're not as obedient as them, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus doesn't stop there. 28 verses later, look at what Jesus says. Verse 48, chapter 5. You therefore must be, what? Perfect as your heavenly Father is, what? Perfect. So do you need to have perfect obedience to get on this narrow path? Yes. Now, we have to pause and we've got to ask ourselves, right? Do I have perfect obedience? Do I have perfect obedience? Now, let's answer it. Yes. Ah! Y'all are like, whoa, hold up a second. Please don't throw me outside. Um, follow with me for just a second, right? Follow with me. Listen, I am not perfectly obedient, but Christ was perfectly obedient for me. And because of that, I can enter this narrow gate and be on the path less traveled. Doesn't mean you're going to mess up. Absolutely, I would be shocked if you didn't. But listen, it's never about your perfect obedience to begin with. It's only about Christ's. He made the path. He opens the gate. And he walks with his followers. Isn't that encouraging? So maybe you're here today and maybe you're like, look, dude, I have been trying to do life my own way. This sin and pride thing that you've been talking about that leads to destruction, I'm starting to kind of see that play out in my life. Can I ask you to do this? Listen to the voice inside of you that's telling you it's time to stop trusting yourself. Maybe today is the day where you come to meet Jesus for the very first time. My prayer for you is that you step out and encourage and continue that conversation. Throw your Christian friends off guard with some really deep theological questions. They love that. But what we want for you is the hope that is at the end of this narrow path that's less traveled. Is it complicated? Yes. Are you going to fail? Yes. But this is the Holy Spirit walking with you down this path towards the ultimate goal that we have in Christ. Maybe you're here today and maybe today is just a reminder for you. Like, remember, 
Let's listen to this sermon and say, okay, what is it that I need to see here? What is God trying to show me? Maybe today for you is a reminder that, hey, you're starting to try and wander off of that narrow path. It looks a little complicated, so you're getting a little too scared to back off. And, and right now, Jesus is like, mm-hmm, do you hear that? The path, listen, the path, it may look complicated, but the path is just temporary. There is a destination. That's eternal. The path is only temporary. This is the reality of today. Christ followers choose the path less traveled. See, if I'm in Christ and I'm on the path, it shows up in my relationships. If I am on this path and I am united with Christ, it absolutely 100% has to show up in my relationships. If I am united with the, with the one who perfectly loved his enemies, that he allowed them to nail him to a cross, then I know how to love those who persecute me well. Is it easy? Nope. That's the reason that the path is left traveled. If I am united with Christ, who is a good father, who we've learned that, hey, we ask him according to our needs, and what does he do? He takes care of our needs. He tells us in his word, he says, look, if I'm going to take care of the animals, how much more do you think I'm going to take care of you? If we are united with Christ, who is a good father, then we can know how to be a good parent to our kids. If we are united with Christ who died for his bride, then we can know how to sacrificially love our spouse. See, this is the response to following Jesus. It's very simple. And Jesus has laid it out plainly. If you are on this narrow path, you love God and you love others. That's it. Is it complicated? Yes. Does it cost you something? Absolutely. To follow Jesus? Yes, it's going to cost you something. Does it mean persecution? Yep. How do we know? Because Jesus was persecuted. But this is what it means to follow Jesus. If you're in here today and you're tired of doing life according to your own and you see how it constantly has led you to destruction, Please come talk with somebody. Have the courage to step out. That is my prayer for you. But we at Alice Tribe, we want that for everyone who follows Christ, that they would choose the path less traveled. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you that we have a safe place that we can come and we can learn and study from your word and see how it applies to our lives. God, my prayer is that we were able to pause and just ask you, okay, what is it in here that you are trying to help me to see? Where are my relationships where I am not choosing the path of less travel? God, if I am united with Christ, then I should be able to step into these other situations in the same way that Christ has for me. God, I pray that if there's someone in here today, you, you have shown them how constantly leaning on their own wisdom is going to lead them towards destruction, God, that you 
You are showing them their need for you, God, that you will give them the courage to continue that conversation. God, we thank you for the hope that is at the end of this narrow path, this temporary path that we are on and the eternal destination that we have set before us. God, we thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you would like-